0: Babe. We, in here, yeah, we, in here, we Y'all better get comfortable with saying black. We in here, yeah, we in
1: here, yeah. Black versus the Board of Education.
0: That's why we are indeed a whole
2: mood. That's it.
0: Happy, happy Monday, and welcome to another episode of Black versus the Board of Education. My name is Miss Laureen, and as always, I am in the captain's seat. Uh, We got a lot to talk about, and I'm so excited that we have a special guest today. But before we do that, you guys know, and you already yawning, I'm about to pop Uh, you.
3: I heard (laughs) that yawning means that you have a lack of oxygen to the brain. So I think I'm just trying to get more
0: oxygen to the brain. Jalen go ahead just go like um, how are you feeling like what's going on with you um, i don't know
3: this weekend i was very scared um but oh
0: he gonna start it off with with the weekend <laughs> and him being scared because he don't want you to go very, after him first melissa
3: I was very <laughs> afraid at first i'm not gonna lie but you know once we've seen the secu- See, security listen, oh, security. Listen,
0: security listen nobody knows what you're talking about we gonna so, get
3: to it but just know i'm doing very well this uh this afternoon <laughs>
0: <laughs> kilo what's up What's up? It's your girl Kila. Um, I'm doing good today. I had a good night's sleep. Must be nice. Awesome. For once in a while. So okay, okay. Adrian, hey.
3: Hey, I feel good. Good day today. Yeah. I was not scared. <laughs> <laughs> what oh, what's <laughs> my- Did he
1: say what side? Yes. <laughs> he did. What side.
3: Melissa, um,
1: how you no. feeling? I'm doing, I'm doing good. Uh, Jalen, you said a lack lack of oxygen to the brain. Is that why you said Canadia? Is that why you said Canadia? Oh. We she, oh, she. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, just Okay. So Anyways, I'm doing, I'm doing great. Um, I'm with Adrian. I also was not scared this weekend. <laughs> I'm chilling.
3: Just... <laughs> you guys.
1: Kila wasn't there, so Kila has no. Kila would have been scared too. Kila would have been fine period we're not taking you into an active war zone calm down
0: so so for everybody that's listening we went to compton for the gas giveaway this weekend Mm -hmm. and Jalen was terrified Um, he (laughs) wanted to know if the police were going to be around Um, and i was really confused because that's not normally what you hear black people ask about if the police are going to be there look And Shay is giving you the side eye in the back. I just want to let you know. (laughs)
3: All right, so we in the Uber car. We in the Uber. Uh huh. What happened? Dude was like, ah, this is. Yeah, you're on a sketchy neighborhood. And I said, Oh, okay. <laughs> he said so then, you're
0: wearing too much red. Yeah, he did. So All we had was the logo. <laughs> we, hey,
3: and then he was like, and then we got off the freeway. He was like, yep, over there's Watts. Over there's Compton. I said, I'm in between Watts and Compton.
0: <laughs> He's so crazy. Then I, we, think, I think Jalen watches too many movies. <laughs> for sure. Nah, and then we pulled up to the gas
3: station on the corner. I said, this is just my luck, huh? Wow!
0: Look at Mama said you were scared out your mind. <laughs> I
3: was. No, I didn't make it. No, I didn't make it worse. Dazeel was like, "Oh yeah, we gonna have security there, man." I was. I had security on my vest, and I was scared. <laughs> I, cannot
0: you, I cannot with I cannot with Jalen today. Let me just tell you, I'm doing okay. I'm functioning off of three hours of sleep. Ooh, ooh. Um, I'm a little hangry, too. Oh, um, I'm ready to throw some bows. So y'all be easy with me today. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a special guest. We are talking about making the invisible visible. Our special guest, Miss Shay Cruz, is in the building. We're going to pull her up right now. Oh, Lord, who did that? Stop touching my stuff. I said I got it. Leave my stuff alone. <laughs> Ms. Shay, how you doing, girl? Hey, what's,
2: what's up? What's up? Mm-hmm. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
0: Of course. So you have an event coming up pretty soon here. I think it's this weekend, right? It and- is. Tell us a little bit about it and we're going to get into some background of
2: Absolutely. Where- so, I we are hosting and organizing producing our first annual Afro Latino Culture Fest. It's happening Saturday, September 30th at the Douglas F. Dollar High Community Center in Compton, California. We're expecting a thousand plus attendees. So, food, and Compton yes, music. music, Compton. Be careful. C O M P T O N.
0: <laughs> so it's at the dollar Hyde community center and you said you're expecting a thousand people that yes. is big. yes now i just have a question because i'm a little stingy um i want to know why you and denzel didn't coordinate this better so that i can hit both events in one day
2: oh my goodness yeah you know busy people with day jobs too you know so we're trying to <laughs> Juggle all these
0: things and just do the best we can with what we got. <laughs> okay so afro-Latino festival. so I, I know that a lot of times um folks have a misconception about what we're talking about, or maybe, <laughs> come on, CPT, uh, <laughs> maybe they just don't know um enough to really have an opinion. But can you kind of break it down for us when we're talking about Afro-Latina or Latino? What are we talking about?
2: Sure. So there's a lot of nuances about Afro-Latino identity that you'll hear. Mm -hmm. I'll first start with the identity of Afro-Latino as a thing is Mm -hmm. not a new thing. Um, Afro-Latino as an identity was a term first coined by Arturo Schomburg in 1890 Who was one of uh, the iconic Afro Puerto Rican historians who worked alongside Marcus Garvey and was part of all the Negro freedom movements? And he is also uh, known as the uh, father of Black history, specifically um, in the United States. So he, once meeting African Americans doing that during that late 1800s, you know, uh, Harlem Renaissance movement. learned a lot about what it means really to be oppressed as, you know, black people coming from the Island of Puerto Rico. So he found the way to identify was just as it's an African-American, it's an Afro-Latino or Afro-Puerto Rican. Mm. Um, So Afro-Latino by definition just means a person of predominantly African descent from Latin America or a person of predominantly African descent from a Latin American heritage, real simple. Mm -hmm.
0: And so a lot of times, you know, you have folks in the community, maybe that's not in the community, outside of the community, try to figure out why is it important for you to have a festival specifically for Afro-Latinos?
2: Sure, so oftentimes the non-Latino community, I will say. So I'll say Americans, all Americans, no matter what race in the United States, typically doesn't doesn't understand Latin America and how the racial categories are defined. Um, Latin Latino really is a political term that was created by really the oppressor. So uh, Mm -hmm. Spain, you know, um, once a lot of the Latin American countries were seeking their independence um, when they started trying to fight the U.S. from invading the territory or France, they created this term of Latino Unido, like Latinos were all one, as a way to, to romanticize and convince the descendants of slavery that, you know, the the people of predominantly African descent of slavery in Latin America to join this movement and join into this fight, including their indigenous people. Um, Mm. So we'll start there. So people in the United States who are not Latino don't understand that just like there are white Americans and what is a white American considered by definition, a person of predominantly European descent, right? right. There are Latinos who are white. There are white Latinos Spain is a country in Europe. Therefore, there are white Latinos who are persons of predominantly European descent. We talk about African-Americans or Black Americans or descendants of slavery in the United States, which is what? A person of predominantly African descent um, being of slavery is just a circumstance, right? So it's a circumstance of people of predominantly African descent when we're talking about that. So for Latin America um the importance of promoting the visibility of afro-latinos which again are persons of predominantly african descent as i can ask you all now when you think of a latino and movies and the media um what is the typical picture what is how do you see them you see Sofia Vigara, you see J Lo, you see Mark Anthony, you see Pitbull, you see what we call a mestizo Latino. What is a mestizo? Mestizo just really translates in English to mixed. When you say mestizo, that is somebody who is a mixture of European, mean Spaniard, and indigenous, where they're more more like they might be 65% white basically and the rest mm. is indigenous. So those are people like your J.Lo, lo your Pitbull, all, all the folks that look what we call racially- that,
0: that get yeah. on camera and they, right. they get put out in front.
2: Right, exactly. And so just like, you know, African-Americans experience colorism, right? Uh, where, you know, you got people in blackface playing mm. actual black roles on TV or, you know, the brown paper bag test because uh, mm-hmm. folks have this desire for proximity to whiteness. Um, Afro-Latinos experience the same thing. Like, um, the, think of Celia Cruz. So Cel- people know Celia Cruz. That's a Black woman. That's a fully racially Black woman, Celia Cruz is. She Her nationality is Cuban. That's mm-hmm. just the country that she was born in. But that is a Black woman, African woman. But you don't see her representation playing a Latino role. When you think of... Soap operas, the Spanish soap operas, it's still where you'll watch a Spanish soap opera and the only Black people on there are the maids and butlers yeah. of that soap opera, right? And so Latin America is actually behind in their, in their Black racial equality movement. And they're actually looking to like Black Lives Matter. They're looking to the civil rights movement, the African-American movement, because that anti-Black stronghold with the romanticism of the political term of Latino has mm-hmm. done a number where it's pretty much they're still dealing with the psychological warfare of white supremacy in Latin America. Wow. So I'll, I'll pause there if there's some questions. Melissa?
0: Melissa?
1: My question is, this is all amazing information. Uh, My question related to this is why is this important to you? Why is this understanding of culture and identity important?
2: I love that. So it's personal for me. So me being, I'm African American and Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican is not a race. Let's first start there. Cuban's Hmm. not a race. Mexican is not a race. Just like American is not a race. It's a nationality and it's an ethnicity. So for me, I'm from South Central LA, grew up on the East side. I was the oddball, right? Because it's predominantly African-American at the time, predominantly Mexican. So being Puerto Rican, which is also Latin American, but it's also Caribbean and it's also West Indian culturally. um, I was the oddball. So on the African-American side, growing up, kids were like, what you mix with? And I'm like, well, I'm black and Puerto Rican. Oh, so you black and Mexican. So they never heard of Puerto Ricans back then. Right. And I'm like, no. And this is me at 10 years old. Um, And then on the Mexican side, they're like, when they learned that I speak Spanish or they saw that my last name was Spanish, they're like, oh, you black, but you're not black, black, like whatever that means. And then, you know, you got the a lot of the local uh, liquor stores in the neighborhood owned by a lot of the Asian folks. So growing up at 10 years old, I'm going to throw her name out there. She's probably dead now. This Chinese lady named Sue. Sue owned the, the local liquor store. And at 10 years old, I don't know how this conversation or this dialogue with this grown woman started. I would walk in the store and she would be like, little girl, little girl, what you mix with? And I'm like, well, I'm black and Puerto Rican. Ha, 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 ha. You're not Puerto Rican, you're black, you're a black girl, <laughs> and then she would turn around to her husband, 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 she says she's Puerto Rican, <laughs>
1: she's not Puerto Rican, she's black.
2: At 10 years old, I was racialized mm. and, and separated from my cultures, from my identity, you know, put in boxes. Um, mm-hmm. same thing within my own Puerto Rican family, a lot of my uh Puerto Rican family members, um, you know, married what we call mestizo Mexicans, and so out of like 48 of my first cousins, me and my brother were the only black ones. All the rest of them were mm-hmm. more mestizo or white Latinos. So on my Puerto Rican side, I got bad hair. Fellow malo, I got bad hair. On my African-American mm-hmm. side, girl, you got that good hair. I <laughs> so, got, that good hair,
0: that's got, awesome. got
2: that good hair, but all Latinos look at me as I have bad hair because my hair is super curly, it's coily, and so that's that's considered bad hair. And that's mm-hmm. where, where I, I talk about for me, it was trauma. You know, it was, it was, it was cultural trauma. It was racial trauma. Um, and then I went to Huntington Park high school. And at that time that was predominantly Mexicans that went there um, mm-hmm. because the African-American girls in my neighborhood threatened my life because I was light skin and, you know, had the good hair and they were like, yeah, we're going to cut you up. If you come to the school, we're going to beat you for whatever reason. So I was, you know, picked on from a colorism standpoint Um, So when I went to Huntington Park High School, I kind of found myself assimilating more into Mexican cholo culture, right, because I spoke Spanish and that was the only there was no representation for me of a black Latino. I'd never really seen any um, until I watched the old school uh, Debbie Allen fame. There was Irene Kara on yeah. there. That was a black, that was the closest to a black Latina woman. And I, uh, you know, Coco, even Coco on fame. Like I was mm-hmm. just, I was hooked because I was like, Oh my God, somebody that like looks like me, you know? So I had seen just that very small representation of somebody who looked, you know, was a person of predominantly African descent. So, this, this, this festival, my organization really comes from my personal trauma. And then me really trying to find myself. Um, I did a summer session in in high school, um, got bussed out to Dorsey for summer school to do like some enrichment courses. And I'll never forget. Um, I'd never been on the West side. There's definitely a difference between East side on South Central and the West side. West side was a lot more cultured. Uh, Lemert Park was already very mature with culture, you know, Belizeans, Hondurans, Panamanians, West Africans, they was already doing the drum circles back then. I did not see that on the east side of South Central when we talk about cultural mapping, east side of South Central, it was just gang culture. All I saw was just the Bloods and Crips and that was the only representation of Black representation that I had, you know, to see. Mm-hmm. So here we pulling up at Dorsey High School, all my Mexican homegirls. And this was during the, the you know, early 90s, uh, uh, Pan-African uh, hip-hop movement, X-Clan, everybody rocking the African medallions and the cross colors and, you know, Gumby hairdos and Afros with afropics, And I'd never seen that. I just saw the blood and crip dudes, you know, we called them the yeah. dusty Dusty dudes, That's you know?
1: Dude. And so,
2: so, so we pull up on the bus, and it was like, I pressed my face on the window, and it was like Wakanda, I swear. Cause I was like, oh my God, like visually, I can relate to that. Like, I'm not a cripper of blood, but I'm like, I found Black people that were cultured and colorful. And so, my Mexican homegirls, they jumped in the seat with me. They was like, they're going to jump us like they assume just because they're Mexican and they're going, they thought they were going no, so to jump us like school Yeah, so I'm the, yeah, they were acting like Jalen. So I was the, I was the black ambassador, right? Cause they knew like I was, you know, I was kind of a tough girl. I was in between, you know, a smart kid and a thug just to survive. <laughs> so I'll never forget during that summer session, I went to a private school as well. So eight years of private school. So here I'm in summer session. And I'd never heard of Malcolm X, Marcus Garvey. I learned during lunchtime from 17 mm. year old black kids that was like yo queen you ain't never heard of malcolm x i was like who's that they're like what and they're like where are you from sis and i was like well i'm black in puerto rican They, oh so you black and i was like my blackness was validated by other black people i wasn't asked oh you black and mexican and then that's when i first learned the term african diaspora i would never heard the term oh sis, you yeah it was the african diaspora you know the transatlantic slave you know dropped it, it the only difference between African Americans, Puerto Ricans, and Cubans is the ship stop, right? And so they're like, so we hopped, you know, we got hopped mm-hmm. off on uh, America. We got hopped off in Cuba. And I was like, dang. And then towards the end of that, I'm like, I'm learning about all of this. And my blackness is, you know, being validated. And they understand that there's black people in Latin America. And I didn't have to explain all this. End of the summer session. Never forget this one little dude, 17, had a little crush on me. And he was like, hey, queen, can I talk to you? Like, I hope this don't insult you. And he looked at my homegirls and he looked at back at me and he was like, why are you trying to look like them? Cause I was dressing like them, wearing the makeup, dressing like a little chola because I had no representation of mm. natural blackness. And, you know, cause I was raised by my pop. So my, my African-American mom wasn't in the picture, you know what I'm saying? So, so I didn't take in. So that, that, that weekend, I literally went to the beauty supply store, took the red dye out of my hair and just, went into my naturalist I and i tell people at 17 is when i became a social activist for the upliftment of black people all black people
3: awesome jaylen so you kind of answered my question i was going to ask but i just want you to dive deeper into the um into what you meant when you were just talking about how you were not looked at as you didn't have a home basically like you when you went to the, you were too Mexican or Puerto Rican for the black people, but then you were too black for the uh, Puerto Rican or Mexican people. Yes. I just want you to dive deeper into that.
2: Absolutely. So obviously the population of Afro Latinos, specifically on the West coast and in California, there's not a big population. So I was an anomaly of sorts, right? You go to New York, that's not a problem. You see, black people that are speaking Spanish all day It's normal. Like African Americans growing up, you know, next to Black Cubans, Black Puerto Ricans, so it's not an anomaly. When I went to New York at eighteen and nineteen, I did not get asked not one time what I'm mixed with. Like they look at me, oh, sis, you like you, you're a Black Puerto Rican, right? And I'm like, so, so you you recognize your tribe when you see your tribe. You you understand what I'm saying? So even in Florida, I, I didn't have that problem because everybody knew what tribe was what tribe. Not all Africans in Africa look alike. You know, there's yeah. thousands of different ethnic tribes and languages and different ways of look. There's blonde haired, blue eyed Africans that are dark skinned Africans, you know, Melanesia, different places like that. So a- Africans are not a monolith. They're, I mean, they're not homogenous people. So, so they understood the tribe. So I say that to say, so you know, in the high school, Mexicans aren't used to seeing people of predominantly African descent within their populations. They do exist because in Mexico there's over three million uh persons of predominantly African descent that are descendants of slavery in Mexico. Um, and so that's that's where the, you know, I, I couldn't find a home, but like when I went to New York, I was like, I need to move here. <laughs> oh my God. Like, this is my tribe. But then slowly I start finding out as I start, you know, I just became a self-educate, a self-educated cultural educator, um, you know, visiting different Latin American countries, um, you know, just seeking out black people from the Caribbean, black people from Latin American and really start building my muscle and learning that, you know, if you start doing some cultural mapping about Afro Latinos, something that I'll, I'll say People don't even know Los Angeles was founded by Afro-Latinos, by black Mm. Mexicans.
0: Don't say that too loud.
2: You heard of the city Pico Rivera, right? Mm -hmm. Heard of Pico Rivera, maybe? All right. So the city of Pico Rivera in LA, Pico Rivera was actually the last governor of California when it was still Mexican territory. He was a black Mexican. Mm. And so there were 44 settlers. Uh, when California was still under Mexican rule that came from Mexico, half of those settlers were black Mexicans. And there's if you go to um, Alvera Street, they're called Los pobladores or like the settlers. Um, they have a plaque. They did a study on it. They have a plaque. They name them and they list their race as Negro and we know what negro is negro (laughs) (laughs) right and so uh, a lot of people don't know that so when i when i start learning that the cultural mapping for me began that you start seeing like we already talked about kind of like the Lemert park area having a community of the Belizeans and hondurans and those are basically equivalent of black latinos right like because all Belizeans have spanish last names (laughs) you know because they were conquered by spain at one point before um you know england came or great britain came and and um Uh, was dealing with them. But you'll find that there's populations of, say, Black Panamanians, right, that settled in South Central LA, Compton, Watts in the 60s and 70s. There was a huge migration of them. But what happened is that they were getting ostracized and othered by the African Americans when these kids would go in these schools and they're speaking Spanish, they've teased, and so they assimilated into African American culture and pretty much pushed away their Panamanian culture and speaking Spanish because they were embarrassed about it. So you have a lot of Afro-Latinos in plain sight that are there, and that that's what I start learning. Uh, who knows the comedian Faison Love? Oh, I yeah. He's Cuban from Cuba.
1: Oh wow.
2: He is straight. Afro-Latino, not African-American, nothing else but a, that is a Latin American man from Cuba. Wow. Sammy wow. Davis Jr., he was also Afro-Cuban. So a lot of, even some of the iconic, what we believe is African-American icons that we have, have a Afro-Latino background or Afro-Caribbean background even. Like, uh, you know, Cicely Tyson, she's mm-hmm. from the islands. She's not African-American. And so there's a lot of us that, that are literally here in plain sight. So hopefully that, that answers your question. 100%. And,
0: you know, we're talking with Shea Cruz, making the invisible visible. This is Black versus the Board of Education. And I am told Adrian has a question.
3: I do. Um, so I'm more curious about, I don't know if you said the name of your organization yet. Um, I'm curious about that and kind of how it got started and um what made you go into that?
2: I love that. So my my organization is called the Afro Latino Education and Arts Collective. You can find me on Instagram at Afro Latino Education. Um, the way that I the my organization officially came about has a a, a short backstory to it. So. Um, during the uh, Black Lives Matter movement and the protest um, about the murder of George Floyd in 2020, um, I was part of a fairly sizable Facebook group. Uh, it was a Puerto Rican community Facebook group. I won't say the name of it. Um, I had been in that group for, I don't know, about five years. You know, It's probably like 20,000 20, Puerto Ricans in it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a community group that any Puerto Rican festivals that come up in California, everybody's talked about. Well, during that during that time during the protests of course we're dealing with covid we're dealing with all these different stressors happening anti-blackness just erupted on that page it was sickening mm-hmm. like it was so much xenophobia it was so much anti-black comments from the puerto ricans like oh here come these black people again dah, 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 dah. so as a social experiment i start shouting out afro puerto ricans i would create posts like where's all my black puerto ricans at where are my afro puerto ricans at i got nothing but hate 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 emojis Or told like why we gotta be afro puerto rican why we all puerto rican we know we got african ancestry and you know just being torn apart because there was a resistance to Black identity within the Latin American community. So I just kind of kept at it. And I noticed that um, Puerto Ricans in particular, uh, the, the broader Puerto Rican community here in California, you can post and say you're Mexirican which is mean you're, you know, share cultural heritage of Mexican and Puerto Rican so they got this thing. Mexi Rican. Oh, my bam my grandbaby part Mexican. Woo, you get 500 likes. You can come in there and say I'm Dominican. That's that's you being part Dominican and Puerto Rican. Oh, my I got my husband is Dominican. You can say you Cuban Rican. One lady was like I'm Irish Rican. Oh yeah, they loved that. Oh, my great grandfather was Irish. So immediately purposefully I would post, "Hey I'm you know all my afro puerto ricans boom they hit me right away. So this Mm. went on for like three weeks and I was like, am I the only black Puerto Rican in here that's like riding for the black people? Like what's happening? And then slowly, slowly I kept just trying to create educational posts about afro boricuas Afro-Latinos, like really just debating and hitting these people with facts and unpacking. And I was spending like two, three, four hours in Instagram, you know, uh, instant message chat, like unpacking the biases and bigotry of just certain individuals. Right. Right. Just mm-hmm. trying to learn. What's your thought process? Why do you think like that? Like, why do you think there's no black anti blackness in Puerto Rico? Like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, let me unpack and show you how there is. So eventually I created a post and all of a sudden it exploded with all these unambiguously black. And I'm talking on the biggest black I'm talking about. They look like y'all in that room. And they're, they're Puerto Rican and they start posting their pictures. It was like, I'm a proud black Puerto Rican about time. Somebody stand up for us or a non-black Puerto Rican to post her black grandchild. My, I got a black Puerto Rican grandbaby. And so it just started this, this explosion of people, like finding some pride, feeling represented. And then the admin decided to block me and kick me out of the group because he said I was creating a, a, a hostile environment. He said I was being, um, uh, what was the word? Where you kind of, wow. you know, you're creating separatism, and so you had over 40 people that start writing for me. They was messaging the admin. They're like, "That's not fair. You let all these bigots in here." And so I start getting messages from these 40 Black Puerto Ricans in California. They was like, "Sis, if you start your own group, we'll follow you." I was like, "Start my own group." I was like, "You know what? I'm always on Facebook anyway." So I created uh, what I called Afro California, which is the Afro Latino and Afro Caribbean community of California. Just as a place to socialize, a place for everybody to learn about what is an Afro-Latino, what's Afro-Caribbean, and then us to share our food, our culture, history, and and then everybody start finding out like, damn, we got so much in common. We just express it in different ways, you know, and I started getting, um, questions and requests from universities that were finding our group like hey you got anybody that could do a lecture you know at our school about Afro-Latino it's like "Uh, duh yeah of course (laughs) and and so I saw an opportunity I saw a lane I saw an opportunity um and I just you know went ahead and just launched Afro-Latino Education and Arts Collective because I'm already locked into the um Afro-Latino performance community, like all the West African drum circles, all the, you know, the different Afro-Cuban performers. Like I'm already part of that community from a, my, you know, I have an entertainment background too. So I've always been around all the cultural musicians and the drummers. And it was just for me, a no brainer to kind of just put it together and, and create a movement.
0: That's dope. Keila.
1: Hey, <clears throat> I haven't talked in a Goodness. while. Um, So my question is, um, what would be your advice to give to the youth on like, kind of like what your experiences were? So like how you kind of struggled within your communities,
2: I would say, educate yourself. Don't let anyone define who you are, whatever identity, because identities change, language changes, definitions change, terminology changes um, remain fluid, you know, whatever, whatever you identify as, but educate yourself about the terms, what the terms mean. Um, and don't let anybody, what I say, knock you off your square, you, you know, you, you, you make a decision, you feel a certain way about yourself. And then I would also say, um, if you're non-black and you're, you know, and, uh, you're Latino, uh, be an ally. You know, mm-hmm. if you got family members, your grandma always saying some anti Black stuff, and you got Black friends, stand up for them and let them know that that's not right. Um, don't be scared to check your parents, your grandparents, your aunts, uncles. Mm-hmm. If, you know, you're, you're, if you are a black person and you're within the Latin American community or you're African-American and non-black Mexican um, and, you know, your grandma clowning you because you got, you know, curly hair, tell them, hey, hey, grandma, that's racist. I need you to stop saying that. Like stand up for them and just start, you know, checking them. And then if they're not, you know, willing to correct it, then, you know, you got to create some boundaries with folks and that's going to be for you to determine. But educate yourself. Be proud. Um, the other advice is follow my page, get on Afro Latino education, get on Afro California, come to our events, anything that has to do with Afro Latino. There's books out. There's a, a book and a shameful plug um, and we'll put it racial innocence, unmasking Latino anti-black bias in the struggle for equality. Tanya Hernandez. This is a great book for anyone that really, really wants to understand Tanya Hernandez. You can just look up racial innocence, by Tanya Hernandez. This she's a uh, Afro-Puerto Rican law professor. Man this lady in this book breaks down the anti-blackness in the Latino community in such a way that African Americans can relate to it that it's gonna ha- you're gonna have a lot of aha, oh, aha moments in there. So there's a lot of information about Afro-Latino culture. Um, there's a lot of different pages celebrating Afro-Latino culture. So just get involved with those different groups and read and um just be involved and ultimately just just be proud of who you are and ask questions and challenge the status quo.
0: Melissa, do you have a question? Um, if you don't, I'm gonna go to Jalen, who does have one.
1: Yeah, I have a question. Mine is, and you've talked a lot about the education part of like all of this and specifically your organization. What about the arts part? And why is that important to include?
2: Absolutely. So arts is part of oral tradition. Oral tradition is how African people retained a lot of our history. Oral tradition is how a lot of our uh you know, descendants of slaves in the United States or descendants of slavery in the United States learned culture and passed down traditions. So arts is also a form of resistance, right? It's it's a way to um, express your identity, um, express your politics, um, express your, your, your love, express your disdain, express all of those things. But it's arts is also a way that we re- retain our culture. Cause I'll, I'll include food in there, culinary arts. It's like, we, we still, we make grandma's cooking, you know, that's how you, you keep your traditions alive. Because I look at, um, I look at, and our ancestors in the food and the cultures that we practice are kind of cellular memories right like you'll eat something oh I ain't taste this on this like grandma's cooking you know it'll it'll give you this cellular memory it'll take you back to something and food and music and dance does that oh I remember when my granddaddy used to you know sing like that like I remember you know so so those are the importance of 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 arts as well because it helps keep one the cultural alive without without our culture Um, we're, we're a lost people and, and culture transcends culture, um, culture, uh, how can I say, um, evolves as well. Right. And so we evolve with our culture, but so it's definitely the arts are imperative just for all of those pieces as well.
3: Okay. So my question is, you know, that very, that very viral clip of that guy, when he was like, I'm no black I'm Dominican. Mm. Is yes. that really a thing that people yeah. do?
2: Okay. So, so again, this is where I had mentioned the term um nuances, right? Mm-hmm. So just like, how can I compare this to? African Americans are descendants of, you know, slavery in the United States. We're not all the same. New York is very different from California. Louisiana is very different from us. North Carolina is very different. I don't even understand what they say in Louisiana. I'm just saying, you know, so even, even, how English is spoken, terminologies, accents, right? Just within the United States, we can we can visualize and hear that. Even how we express as African-Americans, how we cook our soul food. North Carolina do it differently. St. Louis do it differently. Midwest do it differently. Cali do it differently. So, so there's all these different expressions of the same food. So think of Latin America the same way. Each country has a different expression of how they cook their food but it's the same rice and beans but they use different seasonings or they you know might might do it with this do it with that even with the spanish that is spoken the spanish act the spanish language it is spanish but there's a lot of nuances just like somebody in louisiana the way they speak english is very different from a person in cali and when you hear louisiana you usually know it right <laughs> way you know, you know, a Texas twang okay. when you hear it right away. So same thing for me, I can pick up on those subtleties and I know what Latin American country somebody is from based on how they speak Spanish. Typically, not everybody can do that, but I just I have that kind of a mind. that, Oh, he's from Mexico. He's from Cuba. He's from Argentina. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he's from Colombia. That's Venezuelan. Like I'm able to kind of, just like I know New York, just like I know Florida, just like I know Alabama. So it's the same thing. So when we talk about, you know, I'm not black, um, there's different versions of that. So Dominican Republic historically we're right next to Haiti. That's the Island of Hispaniola. It was one Island. It's originally indigenous people. So when, you know, France goes in and conquers Haiti and then Spain goes in and conquers Hispaniola, it's the same people there. They brought the same Africans from the same tribes to the same island and then created this uh, man-made nationalist borders and forced them to speak their language, speak their native tongue, which is, I always say, that's why we don't even, you know, we don't, we speak English, but we don't speak English all super correctly because I look at it as a foreign tongue that was shoved in our mouth. So it's never really going to fit right. Mm. Mm. Right? Right. So, so I'm never going to speak exactly like you because this is not my ancestors language, right? So when we go to the Dominican Republic, what Spain did there from a whitewashing aspect, literally there were campaigns that were called para mejorar la raza, which meant to improve the race. So the Mm -hmm. Catholic church with Spain, literally when a lot of these countries, the Spanish Uh, you know, colonized countries were losing their stronghold, Spain launched a campaign to allow white European men land and, and, and travel and business to these Latin American countries to breed out the blacks and breed out the indigenous people. So the Catholic church allowed marriages between different races of people for that purpose. It is written. It's historical. You can look it up. So part of that campaign of trying to uh, whitewash blackness out of, you know, Dominican Republic, whitewash, the indigenous people was the same kind of campaign that white Americans took with African Americans. We're doing blackface. We're doing, you know, Aunt Jemima characters. We're doing Sambo characters. Like they did the same campaign in the Dominican Republic. They still have those characters in the Dominican Republic. They have Sambo Mm -hmm. characters that they sell at gift shops. And it's just looked at as norm. So if you're a child, And you're walking in the Dominican Republic, and in the windows, all you see is these ugly black characters with big old lips, they're looking like an ape, and that's considered a black person. Do you want to be black? No. Mm So what they do is they indoctrinate them in the education system as well. So even like one of their first um, presidents, I can't remember his name. He was considered mulatto. We know what that is. You're half black, half white. Well, through the history times, they even lightened his picture. He was a, a very much darker black man, more like a Malcolm X. And they even whitened his picture that they have in museums. So they they literally, the historians literally erased all the Africanness out the books. And this was part of their indoctrination campaigns that they did in the schools also. So they literally, the government and the school system there uh, since the what the 1700s has taught black people in the Dominican Republic to hate themselves, to hate being black, to hate having tightly curled hair, to hate having any kind of African phenotypes. They are told that they're indigenous Taino people. So everything about them ha- being African is told to, to, to hate and dislike. And then there's also a campaign in Latin America that will tell all the black Latinos, if you ever go to the United States, don't get involved with the African Americans because they ghetto, they poor, they broke, they yep. uneducated, they're the bottom of the barrel. But that's, again, that's the that's the psychological warfare of white supremacy, divide and conquer. That's why I don't believe in tribalism. I don't. I believe in we're all one black people. So hopefully that helps answer that.
3: Wow, that was crazy, Adrian. Um, so when we think of Black issues in America, specifically, do you think Afro Latinos are often overlooked when we get in those type of conversations, or do you think they're in, they have their own separate issues that's different from what Black Americans go through? G- great,
2: question. great question. When we talk about Afro Latinos, they're the only. Uh, ethnicity that is what we call a double minority because they're black racially and Latino. That is a double minority. So cops ain't differentiating just because your name is Rogelio Sanchez. If he looks like you, they're not going to stop and say, oh, you're a Latino guy. You're not an African-American. Black is black, no matter what. Um, The issues that Afro Latinos face is double, double, double the problems. What I mean is, um for african americans the oppression is from white americans like we don't really face oppressions from white latinos because there's no there's really no power to control or power and authority you know, over us. Like, you know, racism has a power element. You have to have the ability to oppress a race of people. Like that's the, the new language that's coming about, coming out about what is racism. So black people cannot be racist. We can be prejudiced. We can be biased. We can be bigots. We can be all of that, but we cannot be racist. So that's, if you, you know, get a hold of Racial innocence, she breaks this down and talks about the new oppressors. The new oppressors are the white Latinos that are here, and they are oppressing the black Latinos in what kind of way? Hmm. Well, you know, they a lot of the white Latinos now in any of the corporate industries, like say you got a manager of a large warehouse that, you know, predominantly employs Latinos. Well, you'll see that the only people that are getting promoted are the other white Latinos or the indigenous. If there's black Latinos there, they're not getting promoted. If it's a white Latino, that's an owner of an apartment complex. And you know, my name is Sharon Cruz and I show up and I'm black. I'm not going to get to rent that place because I'm black. So there's ways that they discriminate against black people from Latin America. So, so difference I would say is historically, obviously, African Americans being descendants of slavery in the United States specifically, right? So we've been fighting white supremacy for over 300 years in this country, and we still are. Black Latinos um, have either come from Latin America, or there could be, you know, second, third, fourth generation here. So the battle is they get ostracized by the African American community, so you'll see that that a lot of times that like, you ain't even really black, you Spanish, like <laughs> and the dude be darker than you, more black than you, and you'll be like, you ain't even really black, you Spanish. So, so it's kind of a double you know, so many things that happens in the life of an Afro-Latino's experience in the United States. It's like the discrimination comes from all sides. Like I'm not accepted by the African Americans. I'm othered and I'm definitely not accepted by the broader Latino community. So I'm facing straight discrimination there when this is supposed to be my community that we have, you know, uh, the same things. We're all Latino. And then with white Americans in the United States. So um, it's still all equals down. I can't say it's the same because then we'd be doing oppression politics. I mean, oppression Olympics. I don't do the oppression Olympics, right? The comparison of who's who has more than what. But oppression is oppression. Oppression against Black people is just plain oppression, like all the different nuances and variables that come with it. So if if, if we fr- reframe that question by saying, do I think that Afro-Latinos, Black Latinos face the same kind of oppression as African-Americans? Absolutely. Here in the United States and in their respective countries.
0: I think that that's interesting because um, being here in Northern California, um, I, I and I'm going to speak for me. I have not seen a whole lot of Afro-Latinos being discriminated against. When I'm in these schools, I don't see that. Right. So I think it's very, very interesting that you would bring up that point. My second point is um, I don't do oppression Olympics either. It is what it is. Right. Because we've been in this country a very long time and our ancestors went through specific things. And I know people like to say stuff about the only difference is the boat stop actually is chattel slavery versus the other types of slavery. So I think that um, a lot of times, um, you know, I've never discriminated against anybody in terms of Afro-Latina, I don't think I used to even notice the difference between black people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's not until I got older and I started seeing different things. And I don't, I wouldn't go as far as to say that black Americans are only discriminated against by white Americans. I think that there is um, a thing that has happened, especially with policies and politics, where you have a bottom class of people and everybody is able to leapfrog over that bottom class. And we are like the legs to the table that everybody jumps on to get ahead. And so I think that it's it's very um interesting um the the things that you brought up because I've never been to Latin America. I'm gonna be perfectly honest. I just got my passport like three, four months ago. <laughs> and that's a lot of a, a story that a lot of folks who have the background that I have there's a lot of people who will never go out of this country and will never get to see experience, um, these different things that we're talking about. And I can't wait to travel to a different country. Like I, I, I mean, you went to Mexico. I want to go to Latin America. I want to go to other places so that I can kind of broaden my view of what's out here. Because I think that being here so long and not really, um, having the ability to travel has limited what it is that we have uh, an understanding about.
3: Makes sense. You I know? love it.
0: Can
2: I After can long, I can long, I yes, tackle long, some long. of your points? Okay. Absolutely. So what 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 you started with was you know in Northern California in particular that you don't see it right. You don't I see it. No. You don't see it because you're not Afro Latino. Actually, experience it you're experiencing you know prejudice against yourself as an african-american white americans will say the same thing about african-americans that they don't see what are you talking about i don't see it so so you saying that you don't see it? what
0: i'm saying is when i go to these schools i don't have a whole bunch of um cruises or any of these things the kids that need or the parents that call Mm -hmm. us to come in and help them navigate are black american parents for the most part
2: Right. What I'm saying. I'm so not saying do they tell you they're African-American? Or are you assuming that they are?
0: Well, no, we have a whole complaint form and they're able to tell us how they identify. I don't identify. So, so let me,
2: let me, I'll challenge that. And what I mean yep. by that is that we talked about Panamanians assimilating into African-American culture in the sixties mm-hmm. and seventies. Mm-hmm. What people don't know about Afro Panamanians is there's two groups of Afro Panamanians in Panama, and they're both considered Afro Latino. But you got Mm -hmm. one population of Afro Panamanians that are descendant of slavery in Panama. Then you have the other Afro Panamanians that are actually migrated from Jamaica, Haiti, Barbados, that were part of building the Panama Canal. So Mm -hmm. those individuals, they're Panamanian, they're Afro Latino, they're going to have English last names.
0: Well, but they get to identify themselves. I don't right. know. And, and and they're
2: they're going to identify as Black, is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. There's people in plain sight that you don't always know. They may just check off African-American because it's easier than trying to explain, how am I Hispanic? How am I? So the census and the data can be completely off. One in four Latinos in the United States identify as Black. Right? Do they so say they're, whether
0: they're Caribbean? Do they say like... They do if- not. So no. they just
2: say black American or black, black, black American. Black, yes. African-American. Typically you will, especially mm-hmm. Panamanians. Belizeans okay. are also in that, you know, not all Belizeans mm-hmm. have Spanish last names. So mm-hmm. there's, so there's, I'm just saying there's some nuances mm-hmm. and I'm just challenged that challenging that to that, that, that can't be the, the, the how you determine whether the person is actually a, a, a black person of Latin American descent or not, because there's a lot of them in plain sight.
1: Um, okay.
2: And then you just a quick, you know, thought that you, you shared like the different type of slaveries, you're saying, Mm -hmm. you know, chattel, chattel slavery in the United States versus Latin American slavery. Um, you know, I'll ask the group, has anybody ever actually studied what slavery looked like in Latin America? I've
0: seen a couple of things. Yeah.
2: So the worst type of slavery in, in the American continent happened in Brazil, hands down. Slavery in the United States absolutely was awful, but slaves were considered an asset.
0: Their property. Mm-hmm.
2: They were they were an asset, not just property, an asset, a financial asset to have. Mm-hmm. In Brazil, they were not because they, they were closer to Africa. So it was easier to replace a, a sick dead African. They just throwing them in the ocean because they got a fresh shipment. Coming. So they didn't, you know, try to, they, there was no feeding them, there was no housing them. Like these people lived outside. They didn't even have, you know, huts, plantations, and slavery went on in Latin America 100 years before it even started in the United States. So slavery in Latin America lasted, you know, 100 years longer. Than in the United States, so you got more generations of enslaved descendants of slavery of of transatlantic slavery in in Latin America. Out of the twenty million enslaved Africans during transatlantic slavery, we only saw two hundred and fifty thousand of them come to the United States. The other. 15, 20 million went to Latin America. 500,000 of those enslaved Africans doing the transatlantic slave went to Mexico. So, when we start, you know, we, we talk about that, we see that the, the broader picture, all of it's bad. Let's just start there. But mm-hmm. Brazil, hands down, just kind of for me, the studies that I've done, hands mm-hmm. down, was like the most brutal and the most worse because oh, they, they were just, you know, treated like. Um, you know, one dies, get sick, they literally get thrown in the ocean and a new boat comes, like daily. Daily, fresh, enslaved Africans coming in. So so I will share that. And and that's pretty much it. I just wanted to kind of touch on on some of those things. But I, la- I like what you said about um, visiting Latin American countries to broaden your mind because it wasn't until I did that myself that my views changed. I've gone to Cuba three times. There's even, and I won't get into the politics, but, you know, I was part of the romanticism that African-Americans have with Cuba and, and Fidel Castro. Um, you know, oh, because they let the Black Panthers go there. They let Asada Shakur, or Cuba loves Black people, go there. And then you tell me what that opinion is. Um, so it's not until you actually go and visit these places and you actually talk to these people and you talk to these Black populations that you'll see yourself in them and you'll be able to relate. So, so, so are, I
0: love- are you saying in terms of when you went, so you said you had a romanticized view, which means did you feel that you would be automatically accepted or you would automatically um, find your tribe like you said? Or I had a
2: romanticized view of the politics of the of country politics. of Cuba. We romanticized Cuba as uh, African-American friendly safe mm-hmm. haven for black revolutionary you know people from the United States Mm -hmm. does anybody know whatever happened to any of them that went there they Mm -hmm. were told to shut up sit down don't bring your you know your black power to the people politics here sure they let them come and sit there so they wouldn't be in prison in the United States but as soon as they walked in they were silenced by Cuba a lot of us don't know that
0: no we don't and I've never been to Cuba but I look forward well, I, don't I know love
2: Cuba. I, loved Cuba. I love Cuba. I love the black people in Cuba. I'll say I've never been to Africa, but I've been to mostly all of the islands, including Jamaica. Jamaica is obviously predominantly black, but I'll say going to Cuba for me was probably the closest to Africa. You could get without going to Africa culturally. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Well, I've never been to Africa either. Like I just told you, I ain't never been nowhere. We need uh, some I, was, I went to the Bahamas, but it was a very bizarre cause it was part of a cruise. Um, and the thing that they wanted to show us was the grave of Anna Nicole Smith. And I'm like, don't you have some history or who's something that? you wanted to share? <laughs> right, and you're talking about <laughs> who's Like she, I think she was a Playboy bunny at some point, or yes. she was this that's lady true. who was, yeah. like, you know, she was a gold digger, you know. Married to the white sister,
2: billionaire, old 90-year-old you know? white billionaire. <laughs> you know, but
0: that's what they wanted to show us. And I was so offended because I'm like, was that an assumption that you made that I cared about her grave other than the culture of your people? Like I was just offended. I went back to the boat and ate something. Yeah. But
2: see, when you think about <laughs> the Caribbean countries and you think about the app, the, the Latino com- countries, they're ran by white governments. Yeah. All of them are ran by white governments that have a certain view of what American culture is and what we might like in American pop culture. That's hmm. the one thing that bugs me about Jamaica is I go to Jamaica and went to some of the clubs and they're playing trap music and mumble mouth rap. I'm like, I need to hear some reggae. <laughs> like, what are y'all playing?
1: Immediately.
2: <laughs> immediately. I didn't come here for mumble mouth that I hear rattling out of somebody's trunk, oh, you know, parked goodness. at the, at oh. the, at the stoplight next to me.
0: <laughs> so let me ask you this because honestly, uh, the first, not, not, not the first. Maybe it is the first time I saw a dark, a dark-skinned Afro-Latina that was proud of her heritage. And I feel like really interesting saying this, but was Amara La Negra. Yes, Um, And that's the first time I'm like, she just, the way that she presented herself, she was so beautiful to me with the Afro. And then she started speaking Spanish and I was confused um, because I didn't, you know, like, seriously, I didn't expect it. But then yes. you're looking at the features, you're looking at all these things, and you see that she's like a perfect blend of her background. And yeah, so yeah. is 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 that I don't want to say normal because that's not who's <laughs> being pushed in, in media uh-huh. for uh-huh. us to be able to see it. But that is that something that The Dominican Republic is
2: predominantly black. Absolutely. Well, she's from the see Domin- that,
0: I've never watched the show. I just saw her Yeah, come she's up from everything. the
2: Dominican Republic. Okay. Yes, oh, really? I mean, again, so when we talked, think, think about the statistics I just told you, when we talked about the transatlantic slavery, over 20 mm-hmm. something million went to all of those countries, only 250,000 came to the United States. So the largest, the second largest population of black people in the world is in Brazil, outside mm-hmm. of Africa, it's Brazil, there are 120 million people of African descent in Latin America. There's 43 million in the United States. Sorry,
0: I'm right and I I yeah, missed that. One, whole thing one, that I 100,
1: 120
2: <laughs> million people of African descent in Latin America.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's not including the the, the non like non Spanish Caribbean countries.
3: Okay. Yeah. I just, only, I, only one I know is Rihanna.
2: She's Barbadian. Was, She's, is, uh, that, yeah. is that is that's, that Latino or no? No. So the, so not bar- Latino. Not Latino. Latino <laughs> yeah, so Latino are the la, was considered Latin because you got Hispanic. Hispanic specifically is for uh countries in the Americas that were invaded by Spain. So if it is a Spanish speaking country, those persons are Hispanic. Latin American when they say Latino, mm-hmm. that's there's uh, there's Latin is the romance language. There are four Latin romance languages. That's French, Spanish, and Portuguese are the 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 three main ones. The Latin romance languages, Latin romance languages. Yeah. France, Spain, and Portugal were the main, uh, slavers. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you think of Haiti, Haiti are Latin people too. Haitians are Latin American. Mm -hmm. because they speak French. That's Mm -hmm. one of the Latin languages. Brazil is Latin American, because they speak Portuguese. And so if we want to play around, we can also say that people in New Orleans are Latin American, because they were once occupied by France and Mm -hmm. Spain. So they're speaking a, you know, a a French Creole. People Mm -hmm. in certain parts of Canada, the the French part of Canada can kind of be considered Latin America, although it's not considered in the Latin American countries, but if we're talking culturally, you know, mm-hmm. and what Latin, Latin languages mean, means that basically I, I the bastards of <laughs> France, Spain, <laughs> and Portugal, basically. So when,
0: you, so you said French Creole, so I, I, you know, because again, growing up here, right, we were always told that Creole was uh, black, white, and and Indian. Right, Native American. So, how does I'm I'm trying to understand.
2: So, my understanding of Creole Creole is uh uh just like Jamaican is a pidgin English. It's patois. It's considered yeah. a pidgin English. Creole is the patois of France. Oh, because mm. you you have several uh, Caribbean islands like uh, Saint Martinique, uh, Saint Martin. Guadeloupe are our, our French Caribbean islands those black people there speak French also just like Haiti but their mm. their their version of French is very different like a Haitian might not understand somebody from Guadeloupe's uh, uh local creole French but they'll understand a French speaker from France
1: Huh I'm lost Yeah, crazy.
2: yeah. That's crazy. It's yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. That's the that's the product of slavery, of, you know, people having to band together to, again, use the tongue that was shoved in their mouth.
3: Wow. So you can be from a whole different island and like right kind of next to each other and be like, I don't even.
2: And and not understand each other. But y'all understand your oppressor and your colonizers language. That is crazy. understand each other's.
3: Yeah, and it goes back to what she was saying about how, like, we, when we went to Louisiana, there was a lot of slang that they would say. We like, I don't know what, what does that mean? Because we got a different meaning for it in Cali. Yeah. But y'all don't say the same things that we do in Louisiana.
0: Mm, wait, what? You see how he slipped that That's in there that we say in Louisiana? He's, he went he's one connecting time. it. He's wait, connecting he it. It's, it's yeah, he he's connecting. He has a good point. But he has no, a good no, point. No, no. He's, he's he connecting was, it. Was he <laughs> said at the end. He said, "Like we do in Louisiana." He's been one time. <laughs> uh, my,
3: so look, look, look. Be
0: quiet. I get
2: what he meant. I get what he meant. Grandma from Louisiana. Uh huh.
3: I I was born in there, man. Tell you,
2: Jalen. Oh. Only thing that
3: don't say I was born there was my birth certificate. Everything else say I was.
2: <laughs> hey, I identify however you want and stand your ground.
3: Because I'm culturally from Louisiana.
2: There we go.
1: Goodbye, I'm a black
2: anyway. Louisiana.
1: <laughs> Black. <laughs> hey, if you was raised eating
2: gumbo, it's official. Come on, man.
1: Come on, man. But
2: just saying?
0: But he, he okay. <laughs> Let me ask you this before we go. Ask you. So you were scared to go to Compton, but you wasn't scared to go to Lafayette. Yes. Ooh. Why?
3: Cause straight out of Compton.
0: I mean, but you've been <laughs> in California all your life. Yeah, but... You were there in Lafayette for the first time in April.
3: You know why? Why? Because when we touched down, they said. How are you doing today? They ain't say that to company.
0: Did you say it to them?
3: I didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Thank y'all for joining us today on Black versus the Board of Education. I'm <laughs> Jalen is about to get put out this room. We want to thank <laughs> Shay Cruz for lacing us with game. Her uh, organization, Afro Latino Education and Arts Collective, they have an event coming up this weekend. It is the Afro. Afro Latino, what is? It? Tell me again the name Afro
2: of the Afro Latino episode? Culture Fest. The
0: Afro Latino Culture Fest. The Afro Latino Culture Fest. You can get your tickets if you go to her um, Instagram and you click on that uh, link tree. The yes. tickets and it's are free. It's free screen. to the public. They don't even need tickets.
2: Just show up. Free
0: ninety nine. Yes. Free ninety nine, oh. and it's at the Dollar Hide, right? From what time to what time?
2: Eleven a.m.
1: to six p.m. Oh, that's that's Eleven a.m. to that's
0: six p.m. Melissa, you gonna go visit?
1: for us saturday yeah i don't i don't do anything yeah i'll
0: mm-hmm. be there yeah, right. said, take your that mama that. with you take your mama with you y'all <laughs> going represent for, for the podcast go, go hug shay's neck for us since we yeah, can't take a selfie
2: make <laughs> him jealous yes yes
0: please please so we can <laughs> share it on the social media for sure uh we're gonna get out of here because i think we're a little bit over time uh oh, so melissa you're the only one on virtual besides miss Shay. so go ahead and start us off with the wave Look, okay she gotta get ready Oh I, I, I don't know if I, I saw your it. arms <laughs> at
1: all. Redo. My bad. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: okay. We'll oh. just take that. We'll take the Mario. Come oh.
1: Am I supposed to? Okay, here we go. you. <laughs> <Andrea. laughs>
0: oh, we'll see you next week right here on Facebook and YouTube. 4 30. We are black versus the Board of Education. Hello.